This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. listeners, in episode 18 of the Practice of Learning Teams, we explore blame, messaging and applying learning teams to learn and improve. I, Glynis McCarthy and Brent Robinson, will conduct a mini-learning team on the topic of blame and messaging. In this episode, we will explore communication given versus communication received. Do corrective actions allow a blame environment to exist? Is there a link between messaging and blame? Learning opportunities versus blame. Why leaders should look at risk through the eyes of the worker. How do we measure success rather than failure? And we'll also explore the three essential stakeholders of a learning team, such as those who are exposed to the risks, those who create the risk, and those who manage the risk. We then ask the questions, is messaging portrayed in our actions? How do we shift the messaging from the absence of something to the presence? Is there value in being curious to reduce harm? And when is the right time and place for accountability and responsibility? I hope you enjoy this episode of the Practice of Learning Teams. On today's mini learning team, we're going to extend the conversation around blame. And I was uh, involved in a, a, a recent piece of work with a, uh, a board around safety governance. And this conversation of blame came up. And I had actually quite a bit of pushback from the board. They said, we don't have a culture of blame. And we find that use of that blame to be quite abhorrent was the language that was used. And it, and it made me think, because it wasn't about them as individuals blaming, or it could well have been, but in this case I don't think it was, that, that sometimes there's a difference between communication as given versus communication as received. So just as we talk about work as imagined versus work as done, that when we communicate, whether that be through systems, through process, through instructions or any other ways, that I think there's always a difference between the communication as given, what we believe we're trying to say, versus the communication as received. And in particular, that's what can lead to blame. So the example I used, the fact that when an incident occurs and there's an investigation, the fact that the person is the outcome of a corrective action makes them feel that they have contributed or have caused the problem. Therefore, I could easily see the connection to them feeling blamed. Yeah, I think so. It's a great conversation. You know, when I've been in some of these leadership roles in the past, um, you would send out a message. It seemed concise. We're trying to get a bit of information across. And what I found quite often, we'd sit around sometimes in, in um, meeting rooms afterwards, that the message received was totally different. And, you know, as you dig into these things, 
you create the message sometimes in a context that you you have the context around because you're there and then you send the message out and you're trying to make it succinct and not too wordy and off it goes out into the into the wider group and the wider group doesn't necessarily have the same context as you do so they sit they receive it differently and it's really i find it really interesting because it's um it's really you know it's really hard and you know i love that word you use brad abhorrent you know that they thought you saw it that way but it's it is typically how it's received isn't it yeah, and look, what I did was I, I asked them through that session I ran with them, and I was with them for about three hours, which was quite delightful. I, I asked them that through this training process, through this discovery process, I was asking them to look at things through the eyes of a worker, not through the eyes of them being um, in a governance role or a safety role, but them through the eyes of a worker. And, you know, I Googled blame. And when you Google blame, it actually comes up and says... Blame, um, uh, the feeling or declaring that someone or something is responsible for a fault or a wrong. So blame is either the person feeling it, in other words, the person that receives it, or blame is, is how the person sends the message. So that's consistent with what we're saying is that the organization could be sending a message that doesn't use the word blame, but the person receiving it feels they've been blamed. But I think that's part of the human condition, isn't it? That, you know, we do something, and if we do something and, and it goes wrong, we naturally think, ah, you know, I could have done that better. And we take on a feeling of, often of, of you know, for, for many of us it can be taken on a, a feeling of blame, that, you know, we have done something and it's led to a negative outcome. And so regardless of how clear and um, succinct the messaging is from the organisation, if, if our starting point is we've cocked up, we've done something, it's, it's, it's ended in a negative outcome, then we're going to infer that message to uh, um, support our internal thinkings that blame is involved. I think we just need to look at uh, life in COVID at the moment to see how mixed messaging can lead to confusion and we can see how information from multiple different sources can be totally misconstrued by different people because of different agendas different bias different understandings different contexts in which that message filters through and so again i think you know a part of this idea of of blame is organizations need to be really clear about what type of messaging are they trying to send? And at the same time, we need to be working in an element of trust. You know, we need to be thinking of opportunities where we develop trust with people where work is done. Right, so in a learning team, workers are part of the solution, not part of the problem. That's right. So you so, can reflect on something that hasn't yep. ended well without pinpointing a particular person and saying it is your fault now there might be a time and a place for that you know we cannot we can't do this without accountability yes. so there is an accountability piece that always has to sit you know with this but we need to start from a position of empowerment so we need to give the workers some skills in which to do the job to do the job safely and proficiently we need to trust 
that the system that we have in place is going to support good risk management um, practices and good risk management processes. And at the end of the day, there are times when accountability needs to be put forward. But actually, we've got to be really careful about this notion of blame. Who's to blame? Is it the worker because of something that they wittingly did? Or is it the system that didn't support good practice? Absolutely, because I mean, then they, I suppose, blame isn't the either receiver. But I think if I used a, uh, a Glynis word, there's this whole concept of that deficit model. That when I was de dealing with this organisation and they were talking about things, that the fact that they said to me that uh, sometimes people are stupid, I said to them straight away, that's a blame model. Mm. You're labelling it. Yeah, and I said... And if they are stupid, you actually employed them knowing they were stupid. Is that their problem or is that your problem? Yeah. And how do you think that went down? <laughs> Not particularly well. No, no. And, and I said to them, I said, and the good, the good news here, guys, I really value spending time with you and you get to pay me regardless. <laughs> so I don't have a problem being controversial because at the end of the day... No wonder the big vocab came out. Yeah, yes. it, absolutely. Abhorrent. 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 Word of the day. I think I might get the personalised plate. But if we go, if we go yeah. back to it, if we don't provide the environment for people to be successful, how can yeah. we hold them to account? I agree with you. It reminds me of one of our, um, our chairman of um, the board of directors that said to me one day, he said, Brent, you've just got to know one thing. He goes... Um, Failure is an orphan and success has many fathers. And and you know what? It's a great way to think about it because that's what happens, isn't it, in a lot of organizations. Not all, but a lot. And I think we need to we need to help, you know, help those boards and help that, that leadership develop that with some of the tools that we've got out there at our disposal. Yes, because how that person receives that message. Um, can be quite variable. Yeah. And if we if we think of it in terms of an accident investigation, the fact that we are placing people in the centre, that they become the spotlight of that process, that they're the people that are interviewed as part of that process, then that spotlight puts them into that mode. Yeah. Because they're not they're not part of the solution. They are seen as being part of the problem. Through either witnessing it, you know, being being exposed to it, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And, and we have to remember that workers are the only people that are exposed to the residual risk of what the organisation deemed to be acceptable. Yeah. And I think when we've got when risk is taking place in a dynamic context, so when there are complexities, what we need is transparency. And if we have blame, what you're going to get is somebody trying to cover up. Yeah, people aren't going to be forthcoming about when things go wrong. And so what we really again, what we have to be able to do is that that transparency comes in in the way that we message things. That these are about learning opportunities. Yeah. You know, this is about looking to say, does the system support good practice? If, it's, if our system isn't supporting good practice and we're relying entirely on the individual, 
And we need to know that that individual is competent to do the task. Yeah. And, and that's the, you know, that's the, one of the keys, isn't it? Is how do we do that? And we'll actually build that, that culture. And I don't like using that word very often, but that culture inside that organization will be built by how we respond to those, those events and things that happen that do go wrong in the organization, you know? And what type of method we use for investigating them. I think that's that's part of the messaging that starts off and, and builds into that. This is how we operate. And I think people quite often, you know, your example, Brent, they probably didn't intend to blame, but it's built they've built it up over a period of time. That 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 sort of way of messaging is how it's been received. And look, and, and don't get me wrong, um, at the end of the session. They, they said that the, the best thing they learned was to look at things through the lens of the worker, not their own lens. Yeah. It was really fascinating. They, they, they actually thought that was the best part of all of it. And I think there's something really important in that. I think that we need to be able to look through multiple perspectives. You know, there's a time and a place that we really need to think about life through the lens of a worker and how work is really being done. But there is a time and a place and we need to be thinking about it through the eyes of the organisation and how they can support good practice to occur. Um, we were working um, in a company, in a healthcare environment um, earlier in the week, and a lot of what they're doing is audits. And the comment that that, that their management talked about was that, you know, they turn up on site on the day of the audit and they get really great practice. But when they're not there doing the audit, actually, that's when you get variation in practice. Um, and so, again, I think we've got to think about how do we measure success? What does success, success look like? You know, there are times when we need 100% adherence. There are times when there is, there's some room for, for movement in that. And in fact, again, we need to be really clear about what does successful work look like. Yeah. And we need to be really clean and clear around messaging. And again, I think that for health and safety to be, for it to really function well, particularly with this dynamic risk, there has to be some form of empowerment for workers. So workers have to have knowledge and skill. They have to have knowledge and skill around the things that can cause them harm. They need to have knowledge and skill about the, the context and where that harm can reside. They need to have the tools that help them to do that job safely. They need to be trusted to do that, and there needs to be an accountability piece that underpins it. Which, which really means, from a learning team point of view, we need to think about having different stakeholders present. And, and I recently have come up with some slightly different language around that to basically saying that in a learning team, we need to have those that are exposed to the risk. We need to have those that create the risks. And we need to have those that actually manage the risks. So we need to have those three different legs of it present in a learning team so that everyone can see things through those different lenses. I like that expose, create, and manage. Absolutely, yep. So once again, another lucid moment. They, they yes. will be ending for the year shortly. Um, that's a and direct three, result of all the know, COVID-19 testing I've been having, I might add. <laughs> Either in threes or fours, Brent, because I've said it before, I can only handle three or four things correct. simultaneously. Correct, um, and that was <laughs> And that was really interesting because what that meant was that the organisation could then say, well, that makes it easy for us to identify who needs to be involved. Absolutely. Yeah. And it gives it gives that range of perception. So 
So it's not all about the the life through the the lens of the worker. It's not yeah. all about the life through the the ends the lens of somebody managing, but you're thinking about it in terms of triangulation. So it's those people exposed, those people who create the risk, and it's those people who manage the risk. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's fantastic, Brent. Yeah, oh, and ultimately that will provide a greater perspective of the hazardous situations that can arise between how the organisation believes that hazard risks are managed, which is what we call workers imagined, and how workers are actually exposed to the hazard risks and what controls they believe really matter in being safe. Yeah. Which is that whole work is done and that sort yeah. of extension of sticky and um, uh, STRM and blotto. Blotto. Look at that. How many more? That, blotto's five letters of acronym. Yeah, I know. I forget the last two. It's just blot. It's a splot, yeah. <laughs> Let's see what comes through from that one for our listeners. But, you, you know, we were talking about messaging before, and um, I think messaging also is portrayed in our actions sometimes um, when we're in leadership roles. And I was um, with a business last week, and they do these things that they call safety walks, you know, where... And what happens is that the managing director, the operations manager, and one other manager go out as a wolf pack of three and walk around the factory floor and have a safety conversation with people. And I happened to be there and you watched people change what they were doing when they knew they were out on the factory floor, right? And they're saying, oh, you know, we don't, it's really good here. We're not picking up anything that's going wrong. <laughs> I'm saying, I bet you you're not because you guys come out like that. Everybody straightens up, makes sure they've got the high-vis buttoned up and head um, PPE on, all that stuff. And I said, you need to you need to do it differently and don't come out as threes. You know, just come out and have a general discussion. And instead of checking on them, why don't you um, ask them right. what's going well for them? So, so just you use the word wolf pack, yes. which, will be, which will be very keen for our German listeners. And we'll be waiting for those emails as well. But the whole wolf pack basically said is that, that that basically inferred. So the message I received is that they were looking to go hunting to find fault. Yes. But they were pleased they didn't find any. Right. But they weren't ever going to, were they? No. Because people were now, it was, you know, we talk about work is done and then we also talk about um, work is disclosed. I think we're moving into the work is disclosed moment at that point. Exactly. Exactly. And that comes back to um, that uh, other conversation we had, which is how do we turn that round? So rather looking for the uh, the absence of something, yeah. so what they're doing, how do we turn that round and look for the presence of it? Yeah. So the example, and I think we gave a couple of examples in the book, the practical learning teams, the book. I think one of them was the fact that um, uh, we've been doing a piece of work with a bunch of auditors, and that rather than asking the question of why, why was the guard missing? which is how they normally approach it, if they saw that, we asked a different question, how did the guard impede normal work? Yep. How did the guard stop you from doing your normal work? Much better question. It is, because one made the person feel wrong, yep. because why is the guard missing? So that they're being judged, which yep. might make them feel in a particular way. The second question was actually being purely being curious. Now, yeah, and if that person and you, and you learn something, don't you? Well, good. And look, and, and even if that person had removed for, for no good reason, 
there was a great there was a greater likelihood that he would actually talk about why it was removed rather than denying that he removed it. Yeah. Because that's what happened. That would typically happen in that space. So it's no different uh, with that group of leaders. I said to them, you know, I, I love the fact that you want to go out, okay, and and talk to workers. I love that. I'm not too sure what you're going out to do. I'm not too sure what the workers think you're going out to do either. So I said, turn it around and say, by going out, you're going out to be curious. Yep. And by being curious, you're simply going to ask the workers some curious questions. And those curious questions are then going to drive some intelligence later on. Yeah. And so doesn't go, it send a better message? Well, it does. Much, so, you know, we, we went back to it. We went, we used that standard, that classic, um, uh, uh, you know, once again, the, the classic Dr. Todd, which was, you know, in the work that you do, what's the sticky? What's the stuff that can hurt you or kill you? Yeah. And then the second question was, but given that our systems aren't perfect, our tools aren't perfect, and people aren't perfect, what stops you from getting hurt? Yeah. And then the last question, is that enough? And I'm looking forward to hearing back from them when they go out and try that next week. Because I bet you that will create a whole different conversation. Yeah. That was going on. And I told them that it might be uncomfortable. They might learn yeah. some things that are really going on. And I said, at that point, it's how leaders react that really matters. Yeah. So, super important. Absolutely. And, and I think distinguishing the difference between an inner voice and an outer voice. And picking up from what Glynis was talking about earlier, the fact is that when we make a mistake, our critic comes in, we have that little inner voice of the critic comes in and says, How could you? You know better than this. What a dummy that you are. Okay, what a rookie. All those sorts of things. It's always that critical voice that comes in. But at the same point, there also needs to be that other voice, that supportive voice that then comes in afterwards, which is that voice of reflection, saying, what can you learn from this? Okay. And, and I think that there's really important. And, from, and I understand that from a leadership point of view, it's really easy to become a critic. There's a difference between thinking it and saying it. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what we're challenged with. And I absolutely agree that from a learning team perspective, by seeing the worker as being part of the solution rather than the problem, that actually allows you to start to manage that, that internal thing that's actually happening with you as an individual. You can't help yourself. Yeah. I, I, I just find that once you get involved with the learning team it, you just have a different perspective on what what's coming out and you're right you, you know your point about sometimes it'll make you uncomfortable it makes you uncomfortable because you realize that the systems or the processes that were put in place aren't adding any value or working the way that we expect them to work yeah not working and, as intended yeah or, and yeah but once you get that level of you know it is trust isn't it that once you get that level of trust that people are comfortable telling you these things, you have a, you, it's, you're in a much better spot. And the organisation is in a better spot because it can actually now do something about them. Well, now you can work collaboratively, can't you? I mean, yeah. is, is it trust or is it the fact that the person feels that they can um, 
be able to say something without being judged. I think that, that for me, epitomizes kind of trust. Trust, okay. You know, I think, I think what we're trying to say here is that a learning team, if it's done well, provides an opportunity for multiple stakeholders to talk about their view of, of what how work is being done through their lens. And so what that does is it gives other people an opportunity to hear it, to reflect on it, but to also think about how they can contribute to successful work. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's back to that, you know, because as soon as you blame somebody for something, that trust will evaporate virtually instantaneously, won't it? It's hard to for the person to keep trust after them being told that they're doing it wrong and being blamed for something that hasn't gone right. You know, I think those two things, you know, are counter, uh, they counter each other out. And look, there is a time and a place, isn't there? There is a time and a place where accountability has to be the number yeah. one. Um, and w what we're trying to talk about here is really that kind of space where it's not about the, the actions of a particular individual that's done something wittingly to bring about a negative outcome. We're yeah. talking about here where the system that supports good practice actually is not supporting good practice the way that we intend it to. Yeah. So I think we need to be really clear about, you know, there is a time and a place for accountability, but actually a lot of the time when we're talking about something that has, is an unintended consequence, that's where we need to explore it further because what's really happening is that the system that we think that supporting good practice doesn't support it the way that it should do. And I think a learning team allows accountability to occur within a boundary of trust. Because the fact that the people on the learning team are able to describe that, that variability that's happening, that gap between work is imagined and work is done, basically means that they're acknowledging that they are part of what is actually happening. So that they form part of it. And by, by being part of it and then being part of the solution rather than the problem, then that's where that's where um, accountability then shifts into responsibility. Absolutely. Because yeah, now totally they're taking agree. ownership of it. Yeah. And I'm yet to see a corrective action that can do that. Because the user is an output of a corrective action. Go on more training. Yes. Here's okay. a new procedure. Here's a new procedure. Uh, go on a uh, defensive driving course. Okay, you've you've obviously got too many tickets. You need to um, go on a defensive driving course because obviously you're not paying attention. And yet, if we tweak the system in which that driving took place, if we provided the worker with some tools that would um, provide some guidance around speed, actually, we could pr probably create a system that will support good driving. Absolutely. And Brent is making a quip here because I recently got a speeding ticket. So let me just be really clear. Um, and let me also make it really clear. At some point, I'm going to throw him under a bus and I'm going to stand back gleefully as the bus wheels bounce all over him. But that bus will have the appropriate safety features. That will have the appropriate markings and the driver would have been competent in that work. 
And that... let me tell you, at that point, blame will be justified. <laughs> <laughs> Again, there is accountability that always needs to accompany this. But you're absolutely right. We need to be really clear about our messaging. And we need to be really clear about what do we, what do we intend for that messaging to actually say and what's its unintended consequence. And we need to, as much as possible, downplay what we don't want. We don't want what we don't want in terms of inference. Correct. And for listeners, if you don't hear me from the next episode, it's because then, he's under a bus. Then please report this event to the authorities. And a corrective action will be undertaken. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm pleased I work in such a supportive environment. And I'm not going to speed again, okay? I won't, I promise. I'm going to be really good. It wasn't my fault. I was on the phone at the time to Brent. Actually, that didn't make me sound any better. I retracted the comment. How's blame spelt? <laughs> well, B is definitely in there, yeah. and I think a T, an A, an R, and a D. That exactly. also sits in there somewhere. Exactly, exactly. So that's great. Hey, look, um, thanks guys for today. It's been really useful, and I hope the listeners have found that useful from the point of view of just thinking about that, that, that what we communicate, how we communicate, that those things aren't always received in the same light. And it's through having that broader conversation that we can give better context to things in that way. Thank you, listeners, for being part of this podcast. We'd love to hear your learnings from today or other topics you would like us to support you on. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and be part of the community practice of learning teams at www.learningteamscommunity.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.